This week's major spoilers podcast is brought to you by Antonio Sanchiolo breaking records, Eric Trevarthen breaking the rules, Jeffrey Sire breaking the law, Andrea Orth breaking hearts, and Raymond Carradas kind of sliding in the wreckage because these are the breaks. And as faithful spoiler rights, this one goes out to them. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rob. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In... This issue, ghostly werewolves in Rodrigo's mind, silver bullets in Stephen's heart, multiple dimensions fill the fat man's imagination, and Rob likes pie. Kirkman mm. sells comics, Murdoch heads home, Fairchild fills out, while Arkea has the story of a real cowboy standing up for law and order and living by the code of the West. On Moo Mesa! The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air! Hey everyone, welcome to the Major Spoilers Podcast. Yay! So glad you could join us for this issue of the show. We've got a lot going on, including later Nate Cosby and Chris Eliopoulos' Cowboy from Arkea. Because we know that it's a uh, book that uh, many people have been talking about, and and, uh, we will get to it later. But first, the news. The Walking Dead number 100 sells 383,000 copies. Daredevil back to Disney or God of War headed to the big screen. Let's spin that wheel of destiny and see where it lands. It apparently has a really bad cough. Will Daredevil head back to Disney? Now, now, uh, Daredevil currently uh, owned by 20th Century Fox. They did the uh, previous movie and the the one with the uh, Jennifer Garner. What was that? Everybody forgot Electra. 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 Well, they were in production to keep uh, the Daredevil property going at 20th Century Fox, except they lost their director, David Slade. Now, this wouldn't be such a big deal. David Slade has to go off and do the NBC show Hannibal, um, and so that schedule is precluding him from getting into the into the directing of the movie. But the problem is Fox has to get this movie into production by autumn. Autumn officially starts September 22nd. If they don't, they lose the movie rights, and mm-hmm. they could revert back to Marvel and to Disney. Mm-hmm. Rodrigo? Oh, I'm I'm very excited about this, and not because I necessarily want the rights to revert to Marvel, because I think that, uh, you know, I wasn't crazy about the Daredevil movie. Didn't even see Elektra. Right. Um, but I think the same studio has the potential of making a fine daredevil movie if they just figure out what the core of a daredevil movie should be Mm -hmm. but this is exciting because ever since the inception of marvel studios there's been this like scary uh you know phantom in the corners of every other movie house that still owns uh, a marvel property of right you better get your act together right right, right. this back so right um you know, I'm I'm looking forward to see how this plays out, uh, if nothing else, to tell the story after a horrible Daredevil movie of, well, you want to hear why this movie's so bad? It's because Fox rushed production because they thought well, the rights were going to go back to Marvel. Yeah, and so, you know, I have no doubt that Fox will find a director. They'll probably go to the runner-up or whoever when they were mm-hmm. getting this uh, picture in production. Judd Apatow. 
Yeah, now that would be interesting. Uh, yeah. They do have a script that the studio is happy with, so as long as they can get a director on board who's willing to work with the script and not want to make a, a, a ton of changes to it, um, they could still get into production in two months from now. Mm. That isn't, you know, we've seen productions rushed faster than this, mm -hmm. and we've seen the results of that, but it would keep that property at 20th Century <laughs> Fox for a little while longer. Uh, Rob, do you have any thoughts? Um, is it, uh, you said September twenty second is the first. That's day the of first autumn. day of autumn. We don't know the deal of the contract, so just from what everyone's reporting, I think Deadline reported this first. Uh, they said that the Fox will lose the movie rights this autumn if they don't go into production, if they don't start principal photography. So we don't have an exact date as to when autumn. Well, autumn officially starts September twenty second. <laughs> so you know, my guess is if they're going by autumn. Then that's what the uh, the date we're looking at. Uh, if they lose it during the autumn, they've got a, they might have a little more time. I don't know. Uh, yeah, they it, could have all the way till winter, which you know yeah. starts in uh, January. December. Yeah, late December. No, yeah, December. December. Summer. Yeah, late December. <laughs> we never go out. We don't. Yeah. We don't know when <laughs> seasons true. happen. Lately, yeah. there's no, hasn't been a winter here. So yeah, that's yeah. true. Well, there's uh, only two seasons in Kansas. There's road repair and snow removal, <laughs> or snow repair and road removal. But no, it's it's really interesting to see. I guess I would hope that Fox doesn't screw it up again because of having to rush it. But I don't know that specifically letting it go back to Marvel is something that I would really want either. Well, the good thing about uh, if it went back to Marvel, you could get a Daredevil in and the Avengers, or you could have a Daredevil show up in your in your uh, Hulk movie, your Hulk movie, or your Iron Which Fist we're gonna movie. Get. At least two Hulk movies, I'm sure. Yeah, in the next, probably sometime after 2014. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, those could come. Matthew, any any thoughts or ideas? I guess I'm uh, I'm a little bit concerned as to an expectation that one is better than the other. I mean, yes, Marvel has been making good movies in house, and yes, the original Daredevil movie wasn't necessarily the best. Probably because I think it was undermined by cronyism and the, hey, let's put Ben Affleck in this because it'll be awesome. But I don't necessarily know that bringing it back to Marvel is going to save Daredevil and, you know, give us no more curvature to our spines. But I'm kind of hoping that it goes back to Marvel simply because when it comes to movies and movie companies, I'm kind of like George Carlin's theory of root for the meteors. Because I want there to be as much chaos as possible in Hollywood because really these people have been living for years trying to tell us that things mean things when they don't mean things. So I'm all for the rights going you know, back to Marvel or being up in the air or being in like a 10-year legal battle that no one will ever win. Because when that comes up, some schmuck is going to be going, you know what? For the last 12 years, I've had this great idea for a killer Daredevil movie. And he'll put it together, and it'll be really, really awesome. Plus, you know, the Electra movie wasn't all that bad if you watch it with the sound off. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying, and I, I, I don't, I'm not quite clear on what you were saying, Matthew, about if the movie, if the rights go back to Marvel, it's automatically mm -hmm. going to be a better movie. I, I didn't no, follow what your that train it of would thought. Not automatically be a better movie. And I, I don't think. I don't think anybody's saying that. Well, I, none I of us. None that. of us are. Okay, but people are saying that. Mm -hmm. Well, yes. one of the that nice things about it going back to Marvel is that they can do much more with the property and the characters. 
than what Fox is you know, limited to right you now. You know what I would love to see if the rights revert to Marvel? I would love to for Fox to be like, okay, we're making the official announcement. We will not be getting this uh, Daredevil movie done. So the rights will revert to Marvel as of uh, October 30th, 2012. And then the next day, Marvel come out and say, give the announcement. We have had our rights to, rare, to Daredevil come back to us. We are not currently going to produce a Daredevil movie. We're going to wait until a good script right. comes out. Right, right. As opposed to fast-tracking and yeah, doing I the exact same stupid no, I thing. No, don't, I don't think Marvel mm-hmm. would do that. I think that they would they would sit on the property. I mean, we already know what the next movies are out from Marvel all the way through 2014 and be, uh, probably 2015, depending on when Ant-Man uh, is released. Mm-hmm. So unless they're going to go to a slate of three movies a year, then you know we're not going to see... Daredevil, if it was in Marvel's hands, hit anytime soon. But that wouldn't preclude from a cameo appearance, like they right. wanted to do with Spider-Man mm-hmm. in the Avengers movie, and they just couldn't get it worked out. Um, I, I just find it interesting, and I'll put on my tinfoil hat. Oh, Why no. all of a sudden did uh, David Slade pull out suddenly to head over to uh, take care of this NBC show? Well, he's known he was the director for that a long time. They knew when the start date was going to be. They knew when all the schedules were going to be. It just so happens that NBC sold the A&E network to Disney for uh, $3 billion, just over $3 billion. What if, as part of the deal, Disney worked it with NBC to say, hey, you got to yank this guy off uh, off that movie so he can start working on your NBC show? so that we can uh, get the rights back to Daredevil without it making it look like we're exerting our force on that. Uh, that's definitely Machiavellian. <laughs> that's certainly one of those hat, hat theories. That, that, yeah, that just think about that for a moment. Mm-hmm. Would Disney do something like that? They have done worse. I just, uh, I got to imagine that being Steven is a lot like, you know, you're, sitting there uh, scrolling through the internet and then you see something and then you can just see like the frame around Steven's head narrow as you hear sabotage and then I start going herm a lot and putting on my blue trench coat and putting on my no face makeup and disappearing into the night A is A Luthor is Luthor Yep. So, uh, listeners, we want to know what you think about uh, this possibility. Will it happen? Will it won't happen? Will Fox fast track this? Um, what's going to go on with Daredevil and Disney? You can head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can share your thoughts in the comments section. And when we come back, we'll get to some reviews. How to get a Major Spoilers shout out. If you want to get a personalized shout out at the top of the show, All you have to do is the following steps. Number one, visit Majorspoilers.com. Two, click on the Make a Donation button. Three, donate $10 or more to the cause. Four, sit back and relax and hear Matthew butcher your name and say something cute about you. Major Spoilers, bringing the good stuff since 2006. Yes, thank you to everyone who donates, and we're hoping more of you will donate in the coming months. 
uh, $2, $5, or $10 a month recurring donation. Certainly helps keep this show afloat, helps keep the site afloat, helps keep all of our initiatives going. Uh, and uh, I don't know, we've got costs, and uh, your donations help us offset those costs. And those of you who are doing those $10 a month donations, get that shout-out at the top of the show. All right, guys, let us get to some reviews. Reviews. Uh, we're doing a lot of stuff from last week, so why don't we start out with Rob with the Ravagers. Yeah, I went ahead and went with uh, Ravagers number three. It's still continuing on the uh, the four main characters, uh, Thunder, Ridge, Lightning, and Caitlin Fairchild. Uh, trying her, her to... code name is Fairchild. Because that's sneaky. The big red-headed lady uh-huh. in the bikini with the muscles. Uh, Yowza. But they're still trying to get to her contact, whoever that is. They still uh, haven't said. Probably Grifter. <laughs> I, you'd, you'd know more than I would, maybe. Mm. You have a better guess than I would, maybe. It's, it's probably she. Was she? No, she wasn't Wildstorm. No, but it would be cool. It would be cool. <laughs> uh, but they're running away from Harvest and the Culling and Nowhere and all that. And in this issue, Brother Blood shows up uh, as he was uh, teased by the one-page thing with Beast Boy and Terra last issue. Uh, Brother Blood actually looks kind of actually really cool to me. This issue, uh, he shows up since his... Or not, he sends his minions after the uh, relaxing quartet. Uh, the quartet actually gets to relax for a change, uh, which was a change of pace in the book. And it, a lot of the story kind of goes, it seems like it's out of order in mm-hmm. some of the panels. Like they're, they're taking a break in a river to clean up because, you know, they've been on the run for, they've been ravaging. Yeah, they, they've been ravaging. <laughs> actually, I don't know. This, this this is the first time that they might have actually referred to themselves as the Ravagers instead hmm. of the enemy as the Ravagers, which is another problem I've been getting confused with. But they, they take a break, and they're talking about how, or Fairchild's talking about how we need to get moving, we don't have time for the break. And she's just sitting there looking at them. Ridge pulls her into the water. After she's in the water... Uh, she finally notices, despite it being blatantly obvious that they have the weird lines from their costumes are actually under their skin. Hmm. And it, it seems like, something like there's a big splash of her looking down on all three of them. Or a big, or not, just not splash pages. Yeah, just a, a fairly a, large panel. A fairly large panel, I mean, a double-sided thing. And she doesn't mention it until after she gets up out of the water and looks at them again. And it, a lot of it just feels like some of what was going on isn't being put in the right place. Like the writer wanted to hit these notes and he hit these notes, but not in the order that the notes should have been hit. Right. Like he wanted to put the relaxing scene first Mm -hmm. and then he wanted to show, Oh no, there are lines under our skin, but normally they would have noticed that right away. Yeah. That should have been something. Yeah. Right. But after their and it's yeah after they go through that whole mess of lightning freaking out about the uh, lines on their skin they're attacked by brother blood 
excuse me, brother Blood's henchmen, uh, who are these skinless guys with Baraka swords, the big old swords coming out of their arms. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, and it's a video game reference. I got it. Yeah. Uh, and then brother, after they're sitting there beating him up, brother blood shows up to kind of take them all down. Uh, at, uh, the more interesting stuff actually happens with beast boy and Terra who are trying to get to them to save the other people. Uh, cause beast boy and Terra are off in their own little thing. A uh, beast boy had the dream about brother blood taking on the other four and they're trying to go save them. And they find another group of, uh, bloodites uh, <laughs> ready to sacrifice a family and they save the family uh, shortly before or they, they manage to save the family from what's going on while Beast Boy has another actual vision instead of a dream and uh, there's some decent character things going on here and it looks good but the, 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 uh, there's something like, a lot of it just feels out of place it I really want to like the book but each time I go through it I like it less <laughs> it's like like the first time I read it it was perfectly fine I didn't notice any problems <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that yeah. and then each time I go through it it just it becomes a lesser <laughs> book and it's bothering me there's nothing wrong with yeah, that, that I mean that happens definitely where it's like you read something and it's like oh that was great and it's like um, wait, wait, what happened again? Yeah, you look yeah. through it, it's like, no, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> I don't know, it, it looks good. They're, they're, the the character moments that they hit are good. The the notes that they hit are good. They just, it all seems out of place and doesn't quite go together as well as it should. And I'm one and a half slices is all I can really give oh, this. And it might, wow, you're being very generous there. Is it still written by Howard Mackey? Yes. yes. Okay, so you've you've oversliced. I oversliced. Yeah. Yeah, it's too much. <laughs> but that's Rob's but opinion. Let me read it fine. again, and I'll yes. probably lose another Rob, half a slice. Rob has <laughs> every right to have a different opinion than yep. me. Yep. Yep. And uh, speaking of Matthew, uh, hey, we've done a DC book. Let's take a look at a Marvel book. All right, Marvel. I've made this uh, remark a couple of times, and I may have actually you know, made this reference the last time I reviewed this book. I'm going to do it again because that's what I do. Recently, it seems that the, the two, the big two companies from when I was looking at reverse cases, where DC is like, we're going to change everything and everything's going to be new and it's going to be different. And whether you like it or not, it's going to be different, which reminds me of Marvel in the 80s with black costume Spider-Man and She-Hulk joining Fantastic Four. Whereas Marvel is going, we're going to do crossovers between our multiple alternate universes with thousands of years of continuity behind them. And thus, we come to Spider-Man number three of five, a crossover between the Marvel 616 universe and the Marvel 1610 alternate universe. And yes, I do know that it's the 1610 universe right off the top of my head. Sue me. It's what I do. Spider-Man thus far started with a simple premise. Spider-Man, our universe of Spider-Man, Peter Parker, got into a fight with Mysterio and discovered that Mysterio had some sort of portal in his headquarters. 
transformed himself or transported himself or transmuted himself or some word like that. Spider-Man got teleported away to uh, the universe. And the first thing that he found in the universe was Miles Morales, a 12-year-old kid dressed as Spider-Man. The first two issues have been dedicated to basically fighty-fighty and talky-talky in equal amounts. Sometimes at the same time. Because it's a Bendis comic and everybody talks and everybody talks a lot. So this issue opens with the Spider-Man finally coming face-to-face with Mysterio. And you know the overt recognition that the Mysterio of the 616 is the same Mysterio who fought the younger Peter Parker in the Ultimate Universe. But this issue really kind of comes apart for me in a couple of ways. The first two issues I liked. The first issue I actually liked a little bit. The second issue I liked a lot. Issue three continues three trends from the first two that bothered me. One, the heroes spend a lot of time going, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this is happening. What are we going to do? Now, I I don't know if all the stories I've read have been in continuity, but I know that Peter Parker has crossed universes before. I know that Peter Parker has dealt with weird alternate realities, and one where he's mysteriously dead, yes, it would be shocking, I'll grant you that. Where his identity became public and he's a you know a hero posthumously would be shocking. I don't know that it would be quite as shocking as it is here. And that's probably just, you know, my expectations of Spider-Man based on the current Marvel editorial regime's belief that even though he fought Thanos 15 times, he's a quote-unquote street-level hero. But the second thing is Peter Parker's mask is routinely drawn with different sized and different shaped eye slits to give him facial expressions. Hmm. And I hate, hate, hate that a point of contention certainly among spider-man fans oh yeah and you know it's a difference of opinion you know if you're a gil kane spider-man fan that happened and i love gil kane's work ditko didn't necessarily do that mcfarlane did Mm -hmm. um you know eric larson was was notorious for it and if you like it it's fine if you don't like it as i don't it's one of those things that never ever ceases to annoy you um there, the third thing, and this is the thing that makes me crazy, Mysterio calls up an army of villains. And the villains are just beating the crap out of the Spider-Men. And they're like, oh, no, we feel it. Ah, now I am bleeding. Oh, no, I am hurt. And then halfway through the issue, Peter is like, no, wait, it's just chemicals. And he's making us think that we're being hurt. And for some reason, uh, that particular plot twist just kind of bothers me. Because we spend... A good six pages fighting this Mr. 16 or whomever it is. And then it's like, oh, no, wait, it's all an illusion. Again, kind of a minor point of contention, especially in a Mysterio story. And I, you know, I admit that. But that bothered me. As we get to the end of the issue, though, we get to two scenes that work really well. One, Peter walks into a convenience store trying to figure out what's going on. Robert comes in with a gun. He goes, seriously, I'm right here. Puts him down in like three seconds. And then he borrows a computer to look up his home address. And the issue ends with Peter showing up on on the lawn of Aunt May's house as Aunt May and Gwen Stacy hmm. walk out of the house, you know, moving away because Peter is dead. That 
moment, the look on the characters' faces is gorgeous. And I think I just spoilered the big reveal at the end. But then again, Marvel seems to be playing coy about, you know, Mysterio being the villain according to the solicits as well. So overall, when you, when you break it down, the five pages that hit really, really hard kind of offset some of the 15 pages that just are there. Not necessarily enough to make it a perfect issue, but definitely enough to where that ending makes me feel a little bit kinder towards the filler material in it. I mean, I eat a lot of hot dogs. I can't be too afraid of filler. Three slices of meatloaf for Spider-Man number three. Somebody actually called me and yelled at me, I believe, about how I'm a terrible reviewer because I made fun of Peter Parker's eye slits changing size. And that's true. But nonetheless, three slices of meatloaf for Spider-Man number three from Marvel. I'm actually going to probably see this one through to the end. I didn't expect to. But, you know, based on that ending, I think at least issue four is going to have some moments in it that that are going to be make or break for this. All right. I have not read. I don't even think I've read the first issue in that series. I've just, like I said, the last time you talked Spider-Man, ever since mm-hmm. Ultimatum, just lost a lot of interest in the Ultimate Universe. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of people have. The Ultimate Universe is a difficult thing to get into at this point in time. Well, we'll, I want to talk about spinoff universes and kind of the role of a spinoff universe and how it could be used in our next issue of the Major Spoilers podcast. Because I think there's some things that maybe Marvel and really DC have the opportunity to do, although DC seems to be doing it a little bit more than what Marvel is. Um, but we can talk about that a little bit more in depth in the next issue. Sure. Um, so there's Marvel. There's uh, DC. Let's jump back into an independent title and take a look at The Lone Ranger, Snake of Iron Number 1, which came out last week from Dynamite Entertainment, written by Chuck Dixon with uh, art by, uh, uh, what is it, Estefe Poles, um, I, I think is his name. Yeah. I uh, apologize there. This is an interesting book. Uh, the uh, Snake of Iron has a couple of different meanings, and I think this is what Chuck Dixon's going for, but um, I don't know if he's made the reference the right reference. Uh, The Iron Snake is a prophecy in uh, the Maasai tribe's history that talks about uh, an Iron Snake that would cross the country and basically bring all the trouble with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as this was played out in... Uh, Kenya, uh, this was really attributed to uh, the railroad. railroad. Mm -hmm. In the United States, um, as this story kicks off, uh, a bunch of the Indian tribes have gone off their reservations in Oklahoma. Uh, They keep hearing these tales, and many of their people have seen this horse that's bigger than any other horse that they've seen. And they see that that is the prophecy of danger coming their way. And the Lone Ranger is involved, and it's starting to become winter. And he says, hey, look, by the time the first green shoots of grass come up in the spring, I'll have found this mystical horse that you guys are talking about and show you that it's it's not magic. It's not a prophecy. You guys need to uphold your end of the bargain and go back to the reservation and, and do your thing there. And, of course, the, the Indian tribes uh, that are represented in this book are like, you know, we're becoming like old women sitting on the um, in, in our reservation. We need to be out to hunt and to do the things that make our tribes great. And so I can see, you know, from from the from the tribe's perspective, why they want to get off the reservation and why they want to do those things. Intercut with this story is a tale of Tonto, who 
from what I can tell is um, maybe coming from Dodge City down to the southwest, um, he may be further north. Uh, I'd have to go back and, and double check. But he's getting on the railroad. And he's heading to take his horses down to meet up with the Lone Ranger. And on that train trip, he meets a young Indian boy who has been either adopted or taken away from his tribe to uh, be sent to a private school back in Pennsylvania so he can have essentially the, as they say in the book, the savage beaten out of him so he can be a civilized human being. And there really are a lot of uh, derogatory comments made right in the presence of this little boy uh, one by a woman who says, yeah, I hear if you just wash them, that usually takes care of most of the trouble. Oh. Uh, and then, you know, Tonto's just sitting right behind them listening to this the entire time. Later in the, and one of the interesting things is Tonto is trying to get on the train and the engineer's like, here, boy, you need to go back and ride with the horses. You need to go back into the, into the stable cars. And Tonto's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, you don't have to talk to me that way. And he goes, yeah, you're gonna, I'm going to talk to you this way. And basically threatens him until another guy leans over and whispers in his ears going, you know who this is? And the guy's like, oh, 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 my gosh. And, you know, so the legend of Tonto and the Lone Ranger, or more appropriately, the Lone Ranger and his sidekick Tonto. And the sidekick Bruce Lee. Yes, oh, wait, no, that's have, a different sidekick. Have, uh, have traveled across the, uh, across the land. So people know about their exploits. Um, so... For the Indians, their Iron Snake was really called the Iron Horse in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, many years ago. That's what they would call the, um, uh, the, train. the train. So, I, you know, when I can see what Dixon's doing here, but I'm, I'm hoping that it's not, you know, a gaffe on, on that part. Because the train does play a big role. Because later, Tonto is sitting down with the boy, and he's having a conversation with him in the native tongue... And, of course, the white guy that's in charge of him doesn't like that at all. But basically, um, the white caretaker, or whoever he is, the adopted father, is yelling at him, saying his mother wanted this, his mother wanted this. And then you cut to the uh, the engineers in the, in, the, um, in the main cab, and they're saying, was that snow in the tracks? Oh, no. And then you see the, the uh, train explode, and that's right about the time that Tonto was asking the boy, well, what about your father? And then as they wake up in the... Uh, demolished train um the boy is like that was my father and so the indians have derailed the train and we're assuming that that's his father that's leading the the raid um meanwhile the lone ranger has found this mystical horse and it's really a woman reporter from chicago who is riding a camel across Mm -hmm. the southwest and so that's what the lone ranger believes is this uh big giant horse uh, that is uh, is causing all the trouble. Now, it could be railroad, although by this time, I would think most of the Indian tribes would have known of the railroad and not mistaken it for a big iron horse. But I don't know. That's the, the title of the book and the, and the fact that the railroad is playing kind of a big role in this opening story kind of has me uh, a little um, intrigued. I really like this story because it is bringing, you know, so often... I don't want to say the plight of the Indians, but we do a lot of this stuff. When you're telling these stories, a lot of it's brushed under the under the carpet. I mean, you look at uh, uh, Jonah Hex, for example, and a lot of that stuff is just pushed out of the way. Here, it becomes an integral part of the story, and I really like it. Uh, The art uh, is is very nice. You can certainly tell who everyone is. Uh, The writing by Dixon is is very good as well. There's some great dialogue exchanges. Uh, There are some hokey moments too. Just some, 
you kind of expect it kind of moments that that pop up in the book. But overall, this is a really good read, and I'm interested to see what happens uh, with uh, the Lone Ranger Snake of Iron. I believe this is a six five issue miniseries from Dynamite Entertainment. Uh, I'm giving it three and a half slices of meatloaf. Um, it's nice. good. It's engaging. Uh, I think it, it talks about some underlying messages in and around this bigger story uh, that I think could have a uh, a big uh, impact later on in the legend of the Lone Ranger as Dynamite continues to hold on to the tenure of that uh, character. So that was out last week. So we've got Marvel, DC, and Independent. And now let's get another book from Dark Horse Comics, Rodrigo, one of your favorites and something the fans have heard, I think, almost every issue. Uh, yeah, I think I've reviewed every issue of yeah. this on the podcast. Uh, this is Alabaster Wolves um, by Caitlin Kiernan, mm-hmm. who uh, this is a, a, a art by Steve Lieber. Um, this is a, a character that I believe uh, this lady, who I'm not very familiar with, has been writing for a while. And right. this, is, this is a continuation of... Um, of that character into the comics. So this is uh, the story of a girl named Dancy mm-hmm. who used to have an angel telling her what to do but doesn't anymore. Uh, and she has wandered into this uh, southern hellhole of a town at literally... Um, well, literally a hellhole. She also literally wandered into it, I guess. <laughs> uh, so uh, we've been learning. Experience will come down on it. Yes, you so don't specify. We we don't know exactly what has caused the town to uh, become the awful place that it is, and this issue explores that. Of course, the first thing that happens in the issue is zombie bear attack. Oh no! Rawr! Rar brains, right? <laughs> uh, which is which is awesome. So uh, Dancy and her friend, who uh, is the werewolf that almost killed her earlier, but now she's dead and she's a ghost, uh, fight the zombie bear and kill it. Like you do, like you do, and uh, then they start walking around, and the ghost girl gets to telling what happened in this town. And it is a story of darkness and betrayal and werewolves. Uh, The art is great, as it has been so far. Uh, It is very... Like, the the characters' faces are very expressive. The... You know, the monsters, and especially the werewolves, aren't your, uh, like, Twilight, just giant wolf-type werewolves, or your super muscular kind of superhero-y looking werewolves with, you know, uh, wolf heads that you see a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. They're not your Lon Chaney werewolves. They are these lanky monsters, basically, that just happen to have kind of lupine faces. Uh, So it it gives it, definitely gives it its its own feel. It's more of like a a, uh, the howling style style werewolf, Mm -hmm. you know, up until the poodle shows up (laughs) at the end. The ones where your sister's a werewolf? Yes, but not the mar- but but not the marsupials. Oh, because those are silly. Yeah, because those are crazy. Uh, you know the. Uh, I didn't realize when I started reading it that this was a limited series because because right. uh, apparently I can't read. So, uh, you know, this is the 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 second to last book. the 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 next issue is going to be the last issue. So, this issue is basically telling you. 
somewhere hidden in this is going to be the end game of this book and i'm very interested to see what of of everything that gets introduced in this issue is going to turn out to be the thing that either does the bad guys in or does the lead character in because yeah you know this is a franchise and they probably wouldn't kill the main character but you know hellboy's in hell now and that's so true. you never know i'm curious rodrigo if you are are at all interested in going back and reading um the book book Alabaster, which is a collection of four short stories. You know, or I, a short fiction story. Right. You know, I am interested uh, because I want to see how the prose of the book is. This just this comic has a real southernness to it. Right. And it it is palpable and it is very cool. I mean, the American South. Mm-hmm. has a lot of really scary stories that other places in the U.S. and other places in the world don't have. It's that mix of, uh, you know, African slaves and Indian mysticism and Christian guilt, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, just kind of all coming together to come up, to, to put together some of the best uh, and scariest stories uh, of the new world. So I'm very interested to see uh, what what the actual writing style uh, of the book is, so yeah, I would be interested in reading it, um, yeah. especially if it's short. Yeah, it says uh, <laughs> it's the fourth in her short fiction collection. I have so. a short, short attention span, but uh, yeah, all around, I'm very pleased with this. You know, uh, around issue two, I was like, well, are they moving things around on me? I wasn't too happy with a few of the. Uh, of the developments and really at the beginning of this, you know, the, the, my biggest issue with this is that Dancy's power level seems to fluctuate drastically. Mm. Uh, that's my only issue. Uh, in the first issue, you know, she almost gets killed by a single werewolf in either the second or third issue. She fights a whole church full of horrors and doesn't win but she fends them off and then somebody has to come rescue her but she fends them off single-handedly pretty much um and then in this one she has trouble with a single horror again so that's that's my only issue that sometimes her her power wanes with the plot Mm. Mm -hmm. but the story itself is still compelling Uh, i'm gonna give this four slices of meatloaf this book has been solid throughout, and I'm really looking forward to reading the last installment. Excellent. Uh, so, Rodrigo, if you are interested in picking up Alabaster, uh, over at Amazon, you can buy the book new for $312. Uh. <laughs> you could buy it used for $89, or you could get it on your Kindle, uh, on your iPad app, mm-hmm. for 5 bucks. I see. Now, if you do decide that you want to pick up Alabaster in any of those flavors, Rodrigo, uh-huh. do me a favor. Uh-huh. Do all of us here at Major Spoilers a favor. Go over to Majorspoilers.com, click on that Amazon.com link, buy the book through there. You get it for the same $312.54. Uh-huh. We just to get a little bit of that now, sent our way as now, a thanks ooh. for sending customers Amazon's way. Let me ask you this. Did you actually pare down your search, or are you actually looking at, like, an actual, like, thousand-pound block of alabaster that no, I can no, buy no. for They do have an bucks. alabaster handmade vase candle lamp that's uh-huh. four and a half inches tall for twelve seventy-five. They have a what? globe that's handmade a tea light for $11. Uh, they also have Banana Republic alabaster, which I, I believe is a perfume 
for fifty one ninety nine. Mm. Uh, but no, the book itself is Alabaster by Caitlin it, Kernan. It, it must it must not it's, it's be very in popular. Second no, printing. No, no, no. It's all. a very popular book. Wow. And uh, to get a first edition new, yeah, I can see that going for that Wow. Much. Yeah, yeah. I could so, I mean, it's dollars. it's amazing. That means that this is very popular. I it wonder very popular if people out there are aware that this that this book is out. If you know somebody who's into Alabaster, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if this is uh, deviating drastically no, from no, no. the Alabaster formula. No. But if you guys are that are hearing this know somebody who's into this, franchise you got to turn them on to this comic because i mean it's it's more of the stuff that clearly if it's selling for 300 bucks that people love oh yeah and it's it's very popular i'm not going to say it's as popular as the twilight series mm-hmm. but it, it's it's a very popular character and and is uh does it say when the book came out when the first uh, edition came let's out? see let's see what this new one is going for do 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 it does not have any description for this one um, but 2006 was when, when the book came out. Mm-hmm. So that's probably when, you know, this new edition, right. uh, was out as well. I was just trying to do a search to find out where Alabaster fell in the, uh, top 300 books. And I was trying to find that very quickly, but I don't see it on the website just yet. Uh, we'll find it here after we take a quick break. Uh, oh, but first, before we get to that break, before we find out, where Alabaster fell in that long uh, breakdown, we probably ought to get to the big it's time. This guy always Rob. <laughs> <laughs> what I do is I actually just count to thirty-five in my head, and wherever you are at that point <laughs> in time, that's when I start talking about the major spoilers. Oh, the week, 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 week. I've fallen off the cliff. Oh, help me up! <laughs> There's zombies down here. <laughs> Alabaster has not sold well with with uh, with Dark Horse. Out of the top 300 comics, mm-hmm. it is listed at number 268. You know where that uh, is? So it's pretty far down the list. The it Alabaster is a fans probably don't know about that. It. Is exactly. exactly. I mean, right. that's when you said that. I was like, I bet you nobody knows that this is happening. Yeah. This is like I think they announced this last year at Comic Con. I want to say last year at Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Um, what, maybe they did it at Chicago, but um, they made a big to do of it. But they, I don't think it got out beyond the comics blogosphere. Well, and, and that's the thing is. I don't like Alabaster is not your standard comic, obviously. So people that are into Superman, Batman, even your Buffy's and uh, I don't know, whatever else people are into. Spider-Man loves Mary Jane's. They're not going (laughs) to necessarily be picking up Alabaster because it doesn't sound like your standard action-y comic. Yeah, right. Um, And the people who love the Alabaster franchise probably don't see comics because they don't have them at drugstores anymore. And yeah. that's, you know, they don't go out seeking comics. So this is, this is a huge gap in between Absolutely. the people who would be just shoving money into the, the faces of the executives at Dark Horse uh, to get more alabaster. Mm-hmm. Compare that to Matthew Spider-Man. Now, obviously, Spider-Man. three just came out, but uh, number Spider-Man. one uh, made it into the top ten. Mm-hmm. Number two made it into the top twenty. So, you know, kind of take that into account. Now, as we look forward to July and looking at those numbers, we have a pretty good idea which book is going to be at number one. 
and that's Walking Dead number 100, which was announced for, at the uh, at the Image uh, panel at the San Diego Comic Con by uh, Robert Kirkman. That that issue has sold over 383,000 copies in the direct market from first issues. And uh, following his statement, a lot of people like DC were like, well, Justice League has sold 500,000 copies. And it's like, yeah, but Justice League, number one, was reoffered again and again and again for six months. This is off the initial first order Mm -hmm. uh, for Walking Dead number 100. Now, a couple of things about this uh, to kind of put this into a little point and a little clarification. Um, That's what was ordered into the direct market. So that's not what was sold, sold. in the direct market. Correct. Matthew, how many how many copies books. how many copies do you have sitting at the shop or did you guys sell out? Do you know? We sold out. Okay, you sold out at your store. Yeah, um, we ordered we ordered about I think we ordered about 20% more than our usual maximum order for, you know, the big big titles like Justice League and such. Yeah, so how much do you know how many you ordered? Uh somewhere between 45 show- and 60. Okay, and so you sold out of all of those. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So the big question that we have is if there's 383,000 of those sold, how many were bought, how many were read, and how many people didn't buy them? And that's the major spoilers poll of the week this week. Week, 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 week. Did you buy it and not read it? Did you buy it and read it? Did you buy it and you're going to read it later? Or did you not buy it at all? Did you buy it and use it to feather a nest for your young? <laughs> Robert? I haven't bought it yet. Okay. Uh, I am not up to date on Walking Dead, so I didn't want to pick up issue 100 and not have any of the other stuff, because uh, issue 100 was the first one in about 10 issues that actually shipped here, or at mm-hmm. least shipped here with enough issues that I saw it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I know there's at least... Five issues left on the uh, shelves yesterday when I went to Hastings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might buy it. I really haven't decided yet. I'm probably just going to wait and get it in the trade like I've been waiting with all the rest of the Walking Dead stuff. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to read it, but I'm probably not going to buy the single issue unless I find out for some reason it's going for a lot and Hastings still has the five issues. Sure, there you go. <laughs> So, did not buy. Rodrigo? I uh, also did not buy. Any particular reason? Uh, you know, when we when we did, reviewed the first volume, or maybe first two mm-hmm. volumes of sure. The Walking Dead, I read it, and I thought to myself, this sure is a good zombie story. Right. But it's a zombie story. And, you know, there's only so much zombies I can take. Uh, it's and and really the thing is it just like there's only so many westerns I can take and we'll talk about that here in a little bit <laughs> um it, you know so I'm not interested in the walking dead because it's a genre that I'm not interested in in general mm-hmm. so I, I'm clearly not up to issue 100 I mean I, I I literally just stopped reading wherever we as a podcast yeah, yeah. Which stopped was probably reading like issue 36 yeah, or something, something like, like that. that yeah so 24 or 36 so i'm i'm certainly not caught up and won't be caught up until we decide to do another <laughs> a volume of the walking dead on the podcast at which point rodrigo will Next be on week. vacation <laughs> yes probably <laughs> matthew what about you hi my name's matthew and i like comic books <laughs> oh did you want to answer the actual question yes okay i have a unique option that I work for a comic book store. Mm-hmm. 
I read will buy later. <laughs> so technically, you did I not chose, buy either, either the, the back, the upside down. Uh, okay. I didn't have any actual money. But I did read it out of my pull list, and because it's in my pull list, it is you know an unstated uh, rule that I will purchase it. Though so I I read it, bought it, and okay. I will say this: I hate Skype. I I don't know what Microsoft is doing, but they need to stop screwing around with Skype. Mm-hmm. It's not a connection; it's stupid Skype. I mean, connections don't change like what we've changed, but Skype has changed. Too many updates. Microsoft quit screwing around with Skype. That's what I'll say about that. Uh, in answer to the poll of the week, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I've bought Walking Dead 100 yet because uh, because of the San Diego Comic-Con, I was so busy I didn't open my shipment from last week, mm-hmm. but I'd already made, I think, the statement on one of the previous episodes that I was going to, for sure, at least buy it digitally, mm-hmm. so I marked that I bought it and I'm going to read it later because I'm going to bet it's in that it's in that box of no, unopened I'd, comics. I bet it is. So, if not, they still have copies here. Yes, I'm sure they do. <laughs> Uh, so that's how we broke it down. Matthew, how did the rest of the Spoilerite Nation vote? Many of the Spoilerites have voted at this point. 191 Spoilerites is what I'm seeing. A whopping 73% chose did not buy. And that's probably because they either, you know, don't read Walking Dead or perhaps, you know, they just like to be contrary. 20%, uh, the majority of the people that bought the book bought it and read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 6% holding it to read. 1% saying they bought it with no intention to read. Uh, Jason B. does point out that with multiple covers, he had the option to do both, so he bought it, read it, and also didn't read it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's cool. Uh, there's a lot of people, uh, Alicia Mink said, neither bought it nor read it. Uh, between no easy access to comic shops, not being on my priority list, it's unlikely that I'll ever read it unless a friend owns a copy. Uh, it shows up online or gets stuck in a collected edition uh, later. Um Verse says, I didn't buy. I fell out of The Walking Dead. I don't know what I wanted out of issue 100 besides them following a different group, but it's not enough to get me to start buying again. Um, oh, are we on the tail section of The Walking Dead now? Psh, no. Uh, no. Uh, Kirkman said at uh, San Diego that he wants to continue this book all the way to issue 1000, nice. which is yes, about 70 years was, away. He was speaking hyperbolically. That's like Well, when I essentially say, then know. he's saying... This book isn't going to end mm-hmm. anytime soon. Oh, right. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean the tail end. I mean, like, uh, it was a lost reference. Like, are we, are we going oh. to follow the passengers from the tail section of the... No. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that was That obscure. was lost. Sorry, Rodrigo. Oh. The bigger question that I have then, ah. Matthew, is... <laughs> <laughs> it was a lost reference. Yeah, it was. The bigger was, question that I have, Matthew, period, for you joke. is... <laughs> Do you think this poll represents the large mass of comic book readers? No, and there's two reasons why I say that. One, with a sample of less than 200. And it's getting pretty close to that. I was hoping we would have more than that. And also, when it comes down to it, I don't think that the faithful spoilerites represent the mass of comics readers. I believe that the faithful spoilerites are considerably more thoughtful and and possibly even more, you know, socially apt than many of the people that I interact with reading comics. So every one of you listening to this, you're a special special snowflake. Duda duda. Well, I'm just but, I'm just wondering because if there are 73% of the people who did not buy of all comic book readers, if 73% did not buy the book, does that mm-hmm. mean that there are 
close to 700,000 people out there that represent the market of comic books. Well, see, well, this is the thing, though. Do we With do we have the numbers on the walk? No, idea? because well, we oh, have three hundred eighty-three thousand. That's out. what Image is announcing. Right. With right. multiple when, available issues, you know, we kind of skew the numbers because there are people who bought all twelve. Well, yeah, some people numbers. might have done that too, so we may have to lower that for that. But you know, the thing, Rodrigo, about these numbers is this is what Image is telling us. Dynamite, when they release their top three hundred, they don't tell you. How many issues were sold? They give you an index rating, and the index of one hundred. Yeah, Diamond. I'm sorry. Uh, Diamond will say Batman is our base. It's always an index of one hundred. So, and that doesn't represent issues sold. That just is their baseline. So, if something is one hundred and twenty, it means it sold twenty percent higher than Batman did. Interesting. Uh, if it's a point one nine, then you know it sold. 0.19% or, you know, that much less than <laughs> than Batman. And there's no set numbers. Now, ICV2.com does a pretty good job of getting within several thousand of that number. Some people have said several hundred, but I've heard from they're within a several hundred of, of those estimates to several thousand of those estimates, depending mm-hmm. on where it falls. Uh, it's really hard to track those down. So really that 383 is kind of the number that we know at least for the month of July. And so that's why I was wondering, are there less than a million comic book readers in the United States? You know, the San Diego Comic-Con, as packed as it is, is only 125,000 people that can go to that convention. Mm -hmm. I would say, yeah, for the last few years. Well, you see, the problem that you come into is what portion of the reading public reads any given thing. Right. There is no comic book that sells to every single Right, and that's thing. why I was saying, can we take the 383 that represents the Walking Dead fans, if we mm-hmm. use our poll and say, well, 73% don't didn't buy it for a variety mm-hmm. of different reasons, can we do the multiplier and come up with, here is our base number of, of comic book readers in the U.S.? I'd say no. Okay. I don't I don't exactly know why, but I think that somehow and my, my brain wants to say that somewhere in there we've inverted a thing. I would say that there are probably all told in the universe numerically you might be right. I mean, you might be looking at a million people buying comics. But then there's also the question of how many people came out to buy this issue just because they knew it was. Right. And how many people filtered from television? How many people, like you said, bought multiple copies? How many people showed up at the store for the first time in years because they heard about this big, awesome thing coming up? Or, as you alluded, or as we talked about earlier, this only represents the amount sold in the direct market. That doesn't mean that's how much was sold to the comic book retailers. That's not how many of the comic book retailers ended up turning around and selling. Right. So, you know, there's some now, weird numbers, but it's just a speculation it, on my part. Is, do the companies have those numbers? I'm Yes, the, I'm sure the companies do, but they don't, they don't typically release, release it because do you want people to know that your Batman sold 38,000 well, uh, copies? Here's Here's what I would like to know. The companies have those numbers. Mm-hmm. Do they get those numbers themselves directly from the... Diamond. The, they get them from Diamond. Because yeah, Diamond's the intermediate. How much money do you, does somebody need to get Diamond to get those numbers? <laughs> is what I would like to know. Hmm. Because... I, well, like I said, I don't know I'm how... I'm announcing I, a new Kickstarter campaign to figure out just how many actual know. issues of you The Walking talk, Dead You should talk sold. with the head of ICV2. Mm-hmm. He won't give away all of his secrets, but I bet you if you started needling him enough... We interviewed him on the show right. a couple of years ago. Um, but he would probably eventually divulge his method for coming up with the numbers. And he mm-hmm. may have somebody on the inside track. Here's a hint, though. 
if you buy Archie comics, mm-hmm. in the open of the cover, it says down there in the fine print, uh, especially if anything that has a mail subscription, it tells you how many issues were sold, shipped and sold, in a given period. So for Archie, I think they do it quarterly. Mm-hmm. So you can go up and you can find out in this quarter, this issue sold this many copies. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll say like Archie 125 sold this many copies in this quarter. And you can use that to go backwards and, and right. start to figure that but, out from month But to month. no matter what, we have to plug something into an equation that right. may or may not be right. Right. I'm talking, I'm, I'm seriously talking, how much money do, does somebody need to give Diamond to get those numbers? Like, is, is it part of the contract that they're not allowed to divulge those numbers? Or is it just I, bad for business I to think it, it, You know, to numbers? be honest, and this is really something for another show, but it sounds like we may not be talking too long about Cowboy. Um, honestly, I think it is a business thing because, mm-hmm. like I said, if you knew that Flash was only selling 12,000 copies mm-hmm. and you were making that publicly known that, hey, Flash sold 12,000 copies, and then you're going to try to pitch a movie or a TV series or merchandise based on Flash, do you think people would say, yeah, that's not a very big base. I don't think we're going to make a movie off of that. And, of course, a good movie studio doing their due diligence would do their own research. Um, but it, it could be, hey... Oh. There's a difference between selling 12,000 issues and being number 10 out of all the comics sold that month. Well, let me let me ask you this. Is there a, uh, like, can I go someplace and find out how many Jeep Grand Cherokees have literally been sold to a person in the United States? There are probably, Consumer Reports would probably have a good base of that. Mm-hmm. And certainly, um, I think there's a government reporting agency that will tell you how many cars were sold in the U.S., but it won't tell you like, and I don't think that they'll tell you, Hayes, Kansas dealership sold this sure, many Jeep sure, sure. Liberties last month. Right. They might, but right. I think overall they'll look and say there were 300,000 Jeeps sold in the U.S. But but you would expect that number to come directly from the From sales. the manufacturer, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is, is this common in business or no? Like this because is there this is, is a, this no, is a no, no, cartel, no. right? Yes, I mean, this is. is this is what this yeah, is. Yeah, 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 it's it's comic book yes. publishers getting Monopoly. together yes. with the guys who distribute their comics right. and saying we're going to do things this way to obscure right. the market so that people don't know what's actually going right. on. Right, that is exactly yeah. What okay. Yeah, just uh, checking. No, no, no. That's I mean, that's what it is. But there are way. I mean, um, when it comes to book publishing, um, you can call up and I. I've got the contact person here somewhere. You can call them up and say, hey, how many copies of Walking Dead hardback were sold in the general market? Not the direct market, but in the general market during the last month. And they would say, okay, Walking Dead, Volume 1, sold this many copies. And that would be very accurate because that's being reported from the uh, Barnes and Nobles and the B. Daltons and the Walden books around the world. So, you know, that's more, that's really, really accurate. And I'm sure that there are some paid services that will give it to you. And I, and again, I don't know how ICV2 is calculating it or Mm -hmm. getting their numbers, Mm -hmm. but again, everyone says that they are very close to being accurate uh, when they, when they post those figures. So, you know, I'm sure there's enough money that can be raised, uh, but is it going to be worth it in the end when somebody else is, Got those figures and are within probably 10%. We can talk about that later. <laughs> All right. Why don't we take a quick break? When we come back, if you'd like to vote on the Major Spoilers poll, just uh, head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can uh, find the poll of the week right there. You can go back to some past polls of the week if you'd like. You can also read all the reviews uh, that uh, that we have up on the site and many, 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 many more interesting stories uh, at Majorspoilers.com. When we come back, Cowboy from Archaea Press. Stick around. 
Greetings and salutations, major spoilers. Cat Halo, back again, just dropping a quick line before I head off to Spain, because I know that dozens and dozens of Cat Halo's fans will be beside themselves if I didn't. Firstly, happy Bat Week, everybody. I hope you're all as excited about The Dark Knight Rises as I am. I'm actually bringing The Dark Knight Returns on holiday with me to reread while Ms. Halo suns herself on the beach. I actually reckon the flick will be a mix of Nightfall and The Dark Knight Rises, or Dark Knight Returns, even. What do you all think? Secondly, it's Bat Week on Cat Halo Movies on Facebook. I've watched all the movies over the past week or so, from Burton's 89 movie on, and the reviews will be going up over the course of this coming week. But here for you guys are my incredibly brief thoughts on each of them. Batman. For years, one of my favourite movies. I vividly remember Batmania that summer. Unfortunately, the movie has lost a little of its luster. Keaton is an unusual choice, but great, and Jack is... Jack. Um, the movie is, movie is moody and timeless. Batman Returns, a little too moody, I think. Uh, Pfeiffer is sexy as all hell as Catwoman, and DeVito is grotesque. It's a good movie, but not necessarily a great Bat movie. Batman Forever, hugely different take. More fun and more colourful, with lots of nods to the Adam West era of Batman. It's good action, and Val Kilmer does very well, I think. Batman and Robin. Ghastly. Bat crotch in the opening seconds of the movie, and it vastly goes downhill from there. Arnie's ice puns suck, and George Clooney is disappointing. And Bane is utterly wasted in the movie. Batman Begins. My favourite of the Bat movies. Just about perfect. Amazing cast. Looks great. Great action. Good story. Awesomely told. And The Dark Knight. Gripping crime drama with Batman and Ledger's stunning Joker. Eckhart's Two-Face is overshadowed. And all in all, it's a really solid movie. And on Friday, at midnight, I'll be seeing Dark Knight Rises. And my thoughts will follow shortly. And I'll leave it there. Um, as always, you can follow Cat Halo Movies on Twitter. You can like Cat Halo Movies on Facebook. And just go to the Major Spoilers forums, because they're great. Thanks, guys and gals, and have a fantastic week. Thank you for that uh, review and for any other comments that people have called in. We will get those in a future episode. Uh, please bear with us as we deal with changes in technology. And by changes in technology, I mean Rob. Um, also, <laughs> as we get into this segment of the Major Spoilers podcast, uh, sponsored by Tweaked Audio. Tweaked Audio, a great pair of headphones, uh, the in-ear headphones that people like so much, the earbuds. They've got four different styles, six different colors. You can get a microphone with it if you want to hook it up to your your uh, your your cell phone or your iPhone or whatever kind of phone that you have. Uh, designed for great sounding music and talk. And here's the best part. When you go to tweakedaudio.com and you buy a pair of these headphones and they're relatively cheap $19.99 to $34.99 on checkout if you use the code MAJOR you get a third off right there so that $19.99 to $34.99 drops to $12.95 to $27.95 great headphones great company tweakedaudio.com so this week um, this book got quite a bit of pe press uh, when it came out in hardback from Arkea. Uh, Cowboy, A Boy and His Horse, a Western graphic novel. And this is a, uh, as it's kind of described on the back cover, I kind of like this. Cowboy is what you get if Frank Miller and Charles Schultz collaborated at the height of their powers. Mm. And so it tells the story of a 10-year-old boy who essentially becomes a bounty hunter, and the bounties that he goes after are his own family, who have done him wrong for a number of reasons. His pa, who's just been a scoundrel all his life, his brother, who treated him like crap, uh, and he's uh, he's going to do whatever he does. And uh, uh, 
because he is a little 10-year-old boy, uh, there's a little bit of comedy that's thrown in, how he gets on and off of his horse, and then his uh, his gun, his shotgun that he has, looks like one of those little uh, hobby, horse. hobby horses or whatever they're called, the ones with the horse head on a stick. Uh, but uh, he uses it to uh, to pretty good effect, and he's not afraid to use this. So where should we start, Rob? I would say the beginning. Okay, and tell us about the beginning. Uh, uh, it's him tracking down his dad. Right. Uh, which you don't find out until he finds him. Yeah. Uh, but he comes into town and he's treated not like crap, but not with any respect. And it just goes through him trying to get the information about where was it Bob Laney or I don't think it matters. His paw. Yeah, his, yeah, his paw. He's trying to get the information where his paw is and Dub. Yeah, Dub Laney. And it's just kind of hilarious. Yeah, I mean, uh, he finds out his dad's already in jail and the sheriff he's already uh kind of shot at and so the sheriff wants him out of the out of the 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 sheriff's house the uh and out of the jail area and uh the kid sets fire to the place. And basically bluffs his way out of, of getting his dad out of prison so he can turn him over to the marshal and uh, like get the bounty. Sheriff. Yeah. I mean, the kid's got uh, got some kid's guts. Got yeah, yeah. Stunk. And he's pretty he's pretty driven. I mean, even in the second story, we find uh, out that he uh, he was treated pretty poorly by his uh, his brother, his older brother. He's the youngest of uh, all the uh, kids in the family. And his brother didn't take too kindly to him. And whenever the whenever uh, the little boy would make him upset, he'd just throw him out in the pig pen and mm-hmm. just let him stay there until Ma got home. And then Ma, as we find out, isn't that great of a person either because uh, she comes home and finds little boy sleeping in the pig trough and is like, well, you must have done something bad to deserve this and just goes in the house. Now, uh, pigs are pretty mean, and I would yeah. never let a toddler uh, yeah, be in that, with the pigs. That per- perhaps the most... Uh... Um, unlikely thing that I saw in this comic is the fact that the pigs were just like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, we'll take care of you, kid. Cause, yeah, because pigs are pretty mean and they're really skittish. Like, even farm pigs are really yeah. kind of aggressive, especially if they get scared. And if you put something that's smaller than them in a pen, they're They'll probably going to try to eat it. Yeah, they will. But other than that, <laughs> everything else about this comic is believable. Well, we find out that uh, that the older brother is running a uh, brothel casino uh, at uh, in Mexico, mm-hmm. and um, goes in and just totally humiliates his older brother and hauls him out and takes him off to the uh, to the marshals to to get the bounty. And then in the last story, it's. Uh, it's a story where the boy goes and sees his grandfather Mm -hmm. and you can tell that the two really, really love each other a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And all along, uh, up until this point, this is a relatively short book. It's not super long. Right. Uh, he's the boy's basically saying, Hey, if you do wrong, I'm going to turn you in. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then as he's leaving or getting ready to leave, he sees this bar of gold, uh, behind some pictures on his granddad's, uh, desk or mantle and he says, Dad, is this stolen gold? Or Granddad, is this stolen gold? And the father's like, well, your mom gave it to me, or I took it from your mother. And he's like, well, Granddad, that's just the same as, as stealing. And then the Granddad's like, well, I guess you got to take me in. And the boy just walks off and is like, nope, 
I love you, Grandpappy, and rides off into the sunset and lets his lets his grandpappy go. So it appears that, you know, as a, far as a character development goes, um, you know, the cowboy is really going after the people that have wronged him in some way. And it mm-hmm. doesn't appear that grandpappy has ever wronged him in some way. Right. And, you know, it's it's believable that he probably did get that gold from his uh, no good yeah, daughter. No good. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, held on to it because it's money. Right. Um. And you know the, the 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 importance of that story is, I mean, partially it is that this kid isn't just isn't just a lawful good paladin. Mm-hmm. You know, he it's it's that he is trying to bust bad people that are related to him, and mm-hmm. his grandpa is not a bad person. Right. But there's clearly a moment where they are both let down by by the grandpa. Like the grandpa mm-hmm. lets himself down because right. he took the money, and and. Uh, cowboy is um let down as well mm-hmm. matthew what did you think of the uh, of the story of our central character i kind of liked it i i like the fact that it didn't take itself too seriously but it played perfectly straight within its own internal narrative right you know we didn't have that wink and smile moment we had an admission you know in the very first pages of the book someone takes a shot He's like, you're a coward for out behind an old man. And Cowboy is like, I'm not the one trying to shoot a 10-year-old in the back. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really big. good. And the, the, the recurring gag is, that ain't my horse. This is my horse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I think is just brilliant. But I really love uh, Chris Eliopopoulos' art. Yeah. He did um, G-Man from Image, and he used uh-huh. to do little bits in the back of all the Marvel comics. And yep. It reminds me so much of Bill Watterson mm-hmm. in bits and pieces where you're just like, that. It, it kind of feels like it could be taking place in the same world as Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah, it really could. And that's why, you know, part of it, whenever I picked it up, I was like, is this the kid just fantasizing about this? This was before I read it and just looking mm-hmm, at some mm-hmm. of the early preview art. I'm like, is the kid just fantasizing that he's a cowboy and this is all taking place at recess? Or is this really happening to this kid and then when you find out that no this is really set in the old west and this kid's really gone through this and this is what he's doing you kind of feel sad for him and you start to feel for the character uh, a little bit in in the hardships uh that he's that he's gone through and the reveal actually is brilliant because we don't start out knowing that he's wanting to take in his family right we start out with him busting his daddy out of jail and you're like oh it's kind of a sweet moment and then he brains daddy with a rifle and takes him in for the bounty and I'm like, oh my God, it's prepubescent Jonah Hex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm talking good Jonah Hex, not that movie, you know, with James Brolin's kid and uh, the hooker from Transformers. Rodrigo, what about you? What did you think of the the story overall? Uh, I thought it was good, but I, I had a, I don't know, problem, yeah, issue, concern, yes, dilemma. Uh, one of those, definitely. <laughs> Uh, at least one of those. I'm a the problema of Adida Kamakabuki. Right. And, you know, I didn't know if... Because the, the, the protagonist is a 10-year-old, mm-hmm. I didn't know it, what kind of universe I was dealing with. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I didn't know if it was, in fact, a very realistic take and the fact that a 10-year-old is doing all these kind of amazing things or 
you know, what the art kind of leads you to believe that this is a cartoon world in which a 10-year-old could accomplish this, which is frequently turned on its head on account of, you know, racial issues, um, Mm -hmm. you know, actual, like, gunfights and and things like that. So, you know, in a sense, if the main character was a penguin, like in one of the... uh, um, like in one of the side stories, mm-hmm. as as opposed to a ten year old kid, right? It, this would sit a lot better with me. Like, like if it, if it was a uh, not not a cartoon rabbit, because a cartoon rabbit cowboy has been done before. <laughs> but you yeah. know, if it was some other kind of little critter, I could see it a lot better than if it's a, a child. The fact that it's a child kind of makes it difficult for me to wrap my brain around what exactly I'm supposed to be feeling at any given point. Yeah. Now, you, see here. you don't know what to approach as a comedy or as a screwed up regular story. Exactly, exactly. Like, is this, is this, like, is this something, like, how, like, nobody has died yet. Right. Right? So how safe is this? Is this actually a story that a little kid is coming up with and he just has a really good imagination or am I going to get Cohen brothered here in about an issue? Right. Well, and so one of the interesting things, I mean, you talk about it, this world where this kid lives, if you kind of go back to that quote from the back of the book with uh, Charles Schultz, you know, Charlie Brown drove a car past the Kremlin in a story, right? Mm. Yeah. Uh, and and, uh, probably back in the late sixties, early seventies is going to be my guess. Um, but, uh, and so that seems a little odd. Um, but, uh, but I guess, you know, this kind of fits in that same realm. Maybe these kids are a little bit more mature than what they are presented as. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, when the, um, um, when the cowboy meets the former slave in the stables, uh, he's like going, you need to do some growing up. You need to find out, you know, what you're right. supposed to be doing. And you're just really screwing things up for a lot of people by doing these actions. So, you know, there's, he's not a fully developed character from where he wants to be in his life. He has some, a lot of growing to do, obviously, as this young mm-hmm. revenge person, uh, you know, this young revenge tale. I guess whenever I was reading this, I kind of felt a little bit like, um, what was the, what was the movie that the Coens just did recently? That was the Western. True Grit. True Grit. Where it's the little girl or the young girl, obviously much older than 10, but not much older than 10 in the movie, where she's hiring <laughs> this guy to go out and bring back, uh, you know, help her out and, mm-hmm. and get in through this through this plot. And so that kind of feels kind of like this without mm-hmm. the Rooster Cogburn character uh, yeah. uh, going along. Rob, what about you? I don't know. I enjoyed it. I didn't go as deeply into it, I guess, as you guys did. Uh I, obviously <laughs> now I just kind of in, went along for the ride took everything for granted without even mm-hmm. thinking about the fact that it was you know a 10 year old doing all this like okay whatever this is what you're wanting to present me with I'll roll with it sure and there's nothing I mean there's nothing wrong with that I, I wonder was the art that did it for you I think that might have been it because I, I really really liked Eliopolis in this it, it was mm-hmm. I really liked how it looked. It took me until Matthew mentioned that he did the things in the back of the Marvel where I, to figure out where I'd seen it before. Mm-hmm. So that was mm-hmm. that was about the only thing that was catching me while I was reading. It's like, this looks so familiar. Why do I know this? Yeah. But it looked really good, and I think that's part of why I 
just kind of went with it. Is it just, oh, yeah, it yeah, just yeah. pulled me straight into what this was supposed to be, and it was mm-hmm. like, cool. And even and, and, and Rodrigo, I guess, when you're trying to say, or whoever mentioned the Calvin and Hobbes, um, you know, Calvin had a lot of deep thoughts, but those were injected from, you know, the writer, uh, from Bill um, Watterson. Watterson. So, I mean, I kind of went with that kind of take as well. Mm-hmm. Now, you're talking about what universe this is set in. Mm-hmm. This is set in the Back to the Future universe. Because yeah, it, it in the McFly. yeah in the double page spread where he blows up the his brother's bar, Seamus McFly is sitting at the uh, at the table, and you see him visibly reacting to nice. uh, to the explosion. Have to, you have to give huh. Seamus credit, you know. Yeah, I mean, I saw that when I flipped through that, I was like, oh, and then I was like, oh, so, and then I was like, oh, that's kind of a nice shout out, and then I started looking, are there other? references and i didn't see anything that popped out and that may have been just that one little nod that slipped through to see how many people got it but uh it did stand out well, for me if Cannon shows up yeah that would be funny uh art wise rodrigo oh it's great i mean it does have uh, a very uh, uh calvin and Hobbes kind of peanuts mm-hmm. uh, like saturday morning comic mm-hmm. strip type feel which is partially what's confusing about it, but also what gives it its strength, right? It's it's that uh, that contrast between a very serious story and very kind of goofy art that you know, even if you like, you know, can can do one of two things for you: either it will keep you entertained because of that contrast and because of the energy that that that. Uh, juxtaposition generates or it'll keep you entertained by sitting there and analyzing the crap out of it like i have right, and right, trying to right. figure out what the artist is trying to tell me here yeah yeah, yeah. and maybe it's one of those things like rob you just kind of got to go with it um i i really really like the art in this and that may have been the thing that ultimately when we were in uh salt lake city drew me to just pick this up and say you know what i'm buying this mm-hmm. sight unseen because it was uh, sealed up and uh just enjoy the heck out of this book matthew what about you on the art side Love the art. I think that, you know, it, as I said, with Ilya Popolopoulos, half the fun is saying his name. But the other half comes in the amount of just sheer joy that's on the page. Mm-hmm. You know, even even when it's something that's not funny, you know, he's, he's on his horse and he's running. It's something you, you look at that and it's an art achievement it's not just hey let's do something funny funny and throw a couple gags over here there's actual you know there's the crap there's thought into it and if you if you were to you know, try and break it down in your head you have to look at it the same way you look at any other you know any other piece of art any other book and i love that you know they don't dumb it down because it's a cartoon or because the lead character is 10 yeah i think we understood most of that stupid skype Am I breaking a bit? Yeah, it's pretty bad. Only only when you say important, thoughtful things. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, then luckily for us, that doesn't happen very often. Yeah, you yeah, making exactly. fun of Steven just comes yeah, always in comes clear, clear, like, crystal clear. Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> the universe knows what's important. Yep. So this book is rated E for everyone. Share this with your uh, nephews. No, I think so. I think they'd be into it. Matthew, share this with your daughter. Oh, no. She'd like it too much. <laughs> well, I don't know if this is an ongoing series. Somebody said, oh, is this a... I think we were talking with Zach mm-hmm. the other day, and he's like, oh, isn't this a webcomic? And I just didn't have the time to go look and see if this was um, a, a, a webcomic or not. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but uh, I, I think uh, I think my boy would get a uh, a kick out of this. Cowboycomic.net is where you can go. Boyd yep. Lenny. Um, and it's got the first four chapters up there, which pretty much take you through um, the story of, and I think this may be just a part of um, part of the advertising. Yeah, I think, not I think get yeah. the, the grandpappy bit that's in there. Uh, I would really like to read some more of this. You know, to be honest, it, it kind of ends on a downer. Not, well, yeah, as a downer, but as a this is all that you need to know well, about and, this story. And he does uh, mention that he's got a mom, a dad, uh, two sisters and two brothers, I mm-hmm. think. Three. three sisters and it's two brothers. Three and two, I don't remember which. Um, so you know that more like that, that you're going to meet at least that many more family members. So right. this story is going to mm-hmm. continue that way. Now, some of them may be hanging out together and that might make it shorter. Some of them might get away. You know, obviously there's a lot some of stuff. Some of them that might be... be twins, which would allow Scott to fight both of them at once. Right. Some um, of them might be cousins. Yeah. I mean, other family members can be brought in because yeah. like the mom isn't mentioned at first. And then you find right. out that she's probably like probably the worst of them all. Right. So there's there's a lot of places where this story can go. Yeah. I mean, if this mm-hmm. is all that there is, I'm satisfied with it. I think it's a, a fine book. For me, I'm giving it a, a, a must read. I, I really enjoyed the heck out of this, even though it's a Western and that's not my favorite genre. Uh, I enjoyed it just from the story and the, and the little character development. Rob, what about you? Uh, totally a must read. I'm going to look for it and see if I can't get a copy for my dad since he's into Westerns and it might convince him you know, that comic books aren't a bad thing for him. It's 1995. I would bet if you go to Majorspoilers.com and click on that Amazon.com link, you could order it from there and have it shipped right to your dad. Dude, it's 2012. 1995 was a long time ago. Yes. <laughs> 1995! <laughs> Marty! Marty! 20.21 gigawatts! It's your kids, Marty! Don't worry, Rob. You're safe here in 2012. 2012? 2012. 2012. <laughs> no! Rodrigo. Doc, you gotta help me get back to where I'm 12 again! Uh, well, I was, I have some issues with it, but it's, it's pretty solid. I like the art and I like the story. I just get a little, uh, too, like, it's difficult for me to not pick at the, you know, basically the, 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 the the gutters themselves and, and try to figure out what's in there. Yeah. Uh, so I would recommend it definitely. Uh, I think, I think that. One thing that it does really well is it gets that uh, lone buckaroo yeah. um, mm-hmm. language really well. Mm-hmm. And it's in all its glory and it's kind of like datedness, the fact that it's a little bit comical, but also the fact that it sound, you, it, he sounds like a real tough hombre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hombre. Matthew, what about you? I mostly agree with you guys. I I, I have to be honest. I can't immediately jump to a must read simply because of two factors. One, it's a Western and there are going to be people who say, no, no, bad Western. We hate Western. Oh, and there are going to be people who are going to be bothered by the fact that there is violence involved. And it's a 10 year old kid who is alternately either purveying or the target of said violence. But I definitely recommend it. I liked it. I thought it's, you know, it's really well drawn. It's really well thought out. And for all of the questions of how and when and whether and where it happens, 
once you really settle into it, it's kind of easy to just go, oh, all right, I can live with that. As it says inside the front cover, Boyd's exploits ain't for those with weak bellies and genteel dispositions. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you ain't sure of your belly or your disposition's fortitude, please consult your local sawbones before turning this here page. Um, if you buy book. now in the electronic review copy that Arkea sent us, uh, I, of course, I've got the, the hardbound as well, but in the uh, collected book, uh, that's out for print. They've Did got... Steven just say, I've got the original issues? No, nope, I didn't. I said I've got okay. the uh, the hardbound. Um, the, uh, in between each of the main chapters, there are some short stories that are interjected in there. Uh, one of them by the Atomic Robo creators, uh, Scott Wegner and uh, Brian Clevenger, uh, do a kind of a cute bit. Now, these stories have nothing to do with Cowboy, but these are kind of... Not even stories set maybe in this universe. No, it's hard no, to, no, you know, because no, there's another one that involves with a uh, a penguin. A penguin like, and, uh, like clearly, one of it them was that might have been in the same universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. clearly, it was like, okay, guys, cowboy story, go. And yeah, the yeah. people that they were asking them for clearly weren't just going to turn in a straightforward cowboy right, thing. Right, right. So yeah, right. so it's it's worth picking up the hard uh, edition. Like I said, 1995 isn't uh, that big of a price for you to buy. And if you would go through that Amazon link over at majorspoilers.com, it would uh, again, help us out so much. And thank you to all of the other sponsors and to everyone who contributes to the major spoilers cause. And that wraps it up for this issue of the major spoilers podcast next week. Again, we're going to find something that is spectacular, Mm -hmm. maybe amazing, maybe ultimate, maybe Peter Parker, maybe (laughs) comma, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe friendly neighbor maybe it'll be sensational mm. why avenging perhaps because we know that you love comics and we do too and we will talk with you soon if you have any questions comments topic ideas for future shows or would like to sponsor a show send an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com visit majorspoilers at majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the major spoilers forum you can also follow major spoilers on twitter at twitter.com slash majorspoilers Fat Dick's revision of Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well, I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew He kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. If I'm Star Raven, it's like a man of iron. I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fine be in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, whoa, 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 what a major spoiler.
major spoiler. Major spoilers is copyright 2012.